Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. First question, my husband is a porn addict and has been in recovery for two and a half years, yet relapsing the entire time. Okay, so that's like negated. We He went to Sila five months ago, our treatment program, but continued his behaviors. Now we are in a strict no contact, which makes life very difficult, but I'm told it's the last hope that he can possibly get sober. However, I found out he spent time with his parents who are abusive and all, and also deeply hurt me recently by encouraging him to divorce me and saying that I am the problem. It feels like yet another betrayal and evidence that he will never get sober. Rationally, I know I'm not the problem, but if he can't see that his parents are a trigger, then how will he ever get sober? Is it possible that some addicts will never get sober? I don't know how, to, uh, I don't know when to cut my losses because if I had my choice. I'd take my sober partner over anyone. I don't know how to interpret what he is, if he's a lost cause or not. So I, it, like, I want to emphasize, if I had my choice, I'd take my sober partner over anyone. And I think addicts so often don't get that message. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not saying it. I think you are. But, but like, I think that they just can't even take that all in um, you know, and do the push away. So there's a lot there, Dr. Rob. What do you think? I was just writing notes, you know, because there is a lot there. And um, I want to write one more down. So what I heard was a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And I heard those questions tied to um, what the person thought they should do. So is this true? Isn't that true? What if this? What if that? You know, a lot, yeah. lot of questions. And these are questions that don't have an answer. You know, um, what is he doing? What is he not doing? Uh, do you cut your losses? Um, I know I'm not the problem. Um, but if you can't see, there's a lot of trying to figure things out. Like, well, if this isn't this, then that isnn't that. And, you know, what I the immediately thing that came up to my head is what do you what do you want today? While you were chasing this person and your life focuses on figuring this out, um, if I were you, I'd be feeling emptier and emptier. And I, 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 can, I get concerned when the entire balancing point for someone is their relationship um, because this has not gone well. Um, so I would sit down and say this stupid thing I hate hearing, but is what I'm doing bringing me what I want? And maybe just even sitting down and saying, I want to be involved with someone who's this. I want to be at peace. Maybe you'd rather be alone than live this. You know, I think hope, hope you can go through a couple of times and then it becomes despair. And um, I really take it from the partners who, who earlier want to say, well, did this happen? Did that happen? They're trying to, um, they're trying to survive um, by trying to get that next question answered. And I hear this in a more elaborate form, which is I'm basing my life and love on if these things happen. So um, whether somebody goes through treatment or not, who they decide, you know, how do I say this? Everyone has the chance to be focused and committed to recovery. People do have slips, but this doesn't feel like someone who continued to practice the lessons that they're given. And I think that is the greatest 
challenge for people when they leave is they really do get what they need, but they actually need to do it. I mean, really, really do it to the letter sometimes. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say to you is one day at a time. You know, I mean, when I really think about one day at a time and I've had to really think about it, yesterday does not matter. And tomorrow is something that is none of my business, but what am I dealing with today? And a lot of what I heard from you is, well, if this, then that, and how does this fit together? And that that's not happening. You know, what are you, what are your plans for tonight? Will you chat with somebody? What are you gonna do? Is there a movie you wanna watch? You can take a bath, just focus on that. And then in the morning you can worry about all this other stuff. So I would stop looking outward for peace and start finding some for yourself in some way. That's, that's a long answer, but that's what I got. Yeah. Well, and, and unfortunately, like you said, um, uh, I just don't cut my losses. Is it possible some addicts will never get sober? Yes. You know, yes, they're, they're, unfortunately, I mean, I've been, I've been in a program for a long time and I've seen many people who have been given tools and, but tools are useless if they're sitting at your feet and you don't pick them up and use them. So, so, you know, for, for those of us that decide to, on a daily basis, do what we need to do to um, grow on a recovery journey, it's not, it's not a smooth path. It is not like without you know, bumps and speed bumps and, you know, hiccups along the way, but man, oh man, you know, I, I can promise you that for those of us that are willing to do the work, you know, you can see I'm doing better than I was two years ago. I'm doing, you know, two years from now, I want to see that I was, I'm doing better than I was two years ago. I want to see that progression. Now on a daily basis, I won't necessarily see that because it is up and down, but, but over the span of time, are things better? For partners, I think it's really challenging because, you know, if you're not really seeing that things are getting better, then part of it is, you know, can you accept that this is the person you love? And regardless of what his behavior is, can you set up, as Dr. Rob would talk about, healthy boundaries for you, taking care of you so that his, you know, that you aren't a ping pong ball, you know, or what is it? Pinball, pinball getting bounced around by everything that he does. I mean, they don't have pinballs anymore. I'm old. There was pinball machines <laughs> back in the day. There was a pinball wizard. That's a whole other thing. So that's a whole other thing. Can I say one more thing? Because I was while you were, I wasn't. Well, I wasn't fully listening because I was really reading this again. I appreciate and, that. And the one thing that really stuck out with me is there's nothing positive in this at all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. about hope. There's nothing about love. There's nothing about. This this is a miserable, excuse me for saying so, but this is somebody who's miserable about their life and looking out there to say, maybe if something changes out there, I will feel better. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of, there's lost cause, um, last chance, last hope. No contact even. And no contact. And yeah, I just feel... um, they were, I don't see anything like, I really have hope for us to come together and whether he's working on it or not, I just really know we'll be at peace with each other or whatever. I, I work with a lot of gentlemen who get a lot of letters from their spouses and seeking integrity. And I know where the spouse is coming from when they don't say things like, but I'm really hopeful for how things are going to go forward. And I know despite all the pain, we're, you know, I love you or, and I don't really hear this and that for whatever that means. What I hear is a lot of grief. In fact, that's what I see in this. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so, and I've shared, yeah. um, Debbie McRae did a great um, video series. You can email me, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com, but you'll also find it on the previously recorded webinars. Uh, but she did a two-part series on grief and the process of grieving and, you know, the, grieving the loss of the husband you hoped for, the one that you were like, I would pick him, you know, if he, if he was sober, I'd pick him over anybody and grieving the loss of the relationship you hope for, you know, months of no contact. I mean, that, you know, that's, it's tough to be in a relationship with zero contact. So. And I want to give you, I'll give you one more thing is that um, notice that Tammy and I, and, and I don't know whether this is conscious on your part or not, but neither of us got into the story. You know, we didn't get into, well, the parents are abusive or I can't see his parents are a trigger. Neither of us talked about that because that's, that's the little pieces that will drive you insane. And the bigger thing to sit back and to say, if someone else is reading this, what would I say about their lie? Were they happy or were they not? Um, yeah, hopeful or not. So anyway, Tammy, thank you for all that time. What are What is the next? The next one is a betrayed partner has been 11 years in recovery and no past relationship bothers me except for one. We were together for five years and I was assaulted in the relationship. I have tried trauma therapy, trauma-informed yoga helping others and have a great support system. I don't have a great job and I'm still not where I want to be in life. And whenever I get stressed or angry or confused and hard on myself, I tend to think back to him since he was the worst thing that happened in my life. I'm not sure how to stop obsessing about my past during stressful times. Any tips? Well, I don't mean to really be technical, but the word EMDR comes to mind because this is exactly what it's for. So there is a form of therapy. I, we can't answer your question, but and it it um, it is very specific and really very research driven in terms of being effective in specific with specific things. And directly, it is when um, when when you start to think back and something really bothers you, the purpose of it is to reduce some of that emotional energy. So I do want to say to you, and I'm not trying to be like, woo, there really is something mm -hmm. called EMDR and is very successful at pointing at certain things like you keep going to that particular thing. You may still go, you probably have some emotional, how do I say this? What I see when I was a little kid, my mom would say, don't pick at a scab. Mm -hmm. But I would pick it at anyway, and it would hurt more. But there was something about seeing how bad it was or how much it hurt that was better than not knowing. And, you know, I just, um, I understand what it's like to go back and say, how much does it hurt? Let me see, does it hurt as much as, but the reality is, is you can work through this. This is really a, to me, more of a therapy issue and a trauma issue. And, you know, maybe you haven't done the right trauma therapy and you might call Tammy. Uh, T-A-M-I at SeekingIntegrity.com. Tammy has a lot of access to different kinds of therapists, but it really does feel like a piece that, you know, triggered things and continues to trigger things. By the way, I, I want to say something more practical, which is I hope you are reaching out to some of the other partners because wounds, they, they are never gone. They just get brought back, back up by other wounds. Um, and so just having the connection, you know, we offer groups they're not they're at no cost they're during the week um they're uh, tammy can point to the site and we did this for situations like this where you can sit down and say it's been this this many years and i'm still working through this and what do you think and people are able to so you know that's one of the primary things that 
comes up for me here is you sound very alone. And I wonder if you have the support, not even not even just of therapy, but people who it's really great to say, oh, yeah, they I went through that. That's what they're going through. Um, and that can be worth its price in gold. So. Tammy, what do you think? I saw you go well, like this. Yeah, no, I do. I, I, I'm not just rocking. I'm actually nodding my head. So no, yeah, no, it, like the EMDR, that. like was so valuable to me. And what, what, when you were talking about that, and I was reading too the anger. Like I, I, you know, if I, I would have mm-hmm. this anger, and I finally figured out mm-hmm. with therapy that it was really I was hurt, and that was the the anger was the power out, but. My therapist was fabulous. She still is, but anyway, but she did EMDR with me and, and I never had that, that level of anger come out since that time. And and that was hugely healing. The other thing is um, in recovery, and I know you're a betrayed partner, but, but for those of us um, on this side of the addiction equation, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and stressed halts. Um, Like I, I do take kind of a barometer of like, if I'm too hungry, if I'm too like Dr. Rob, you know, I do intermittent fasting. He doesn't want to call me right before I eat. Cause if he's interrupting my eating, it's, you know, he, he'll get the grumpier me. So, so he'll wait till after I've had lunch, you know? So it's one of those things where, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, I have a certain amount of bandwidth. And if I have less bandwidth, I'm more likely. So then I know I need to go do something to take care of me. Stress, there's a zillion things for stress reduction. You can, you can do to intervene before you get to that, you know, I'm over the threshold line. So you know, yoga, great, but what else can you do? Have a whole list of things that these are my go-tos. One of these is going to work. I want to add just one more thing, which is, you know, this person said, I don't have a great job and I'm still not where I want to be in life. And then I get stressed Mm. and confused. I'm hard on myself. Mm. And, you know, again, there's just one day at a time thing. If there were a way that you could stay in now and begin to think about, how right now can I make my life better? You know, can you, Lord knows, and I don't mean to prescriptive about how many jobs there are and all of that, but it really doesn't sound like you're giving yourself enough credit for not liking your job and for feeling undervalued. And that is when I turn on myself and say, Mm. maybe I'm just not worthwhile or maybe, and I can understand the last time I felt that that not worthwhile was when all of that stuff was going on during the dating so or the relationships. So I think if you can find ways to really feel a positive future for you in any of these areas, in other words, not so much about fixing something, but more about having something to move toward. Um, just from what I read there, I think it might be helpful. I, I love that idea. And I think a practical thing is like, okay, like I don't have to like my job, but I'm going to be good at my job today. You know, and then if I don't know, seriously, oh, no, for I, me, that's so, so much you. of it is added. I know that's so, so much of it is for me is, statement. yeah, I love reframing, it. So, but, but it's also, and if I don't like my job, what practical thing am I going to do? Just one little thing, you know, to do something different, you know, cause you know, I, I can't change anything if I don't change anything. And that's true with addiction and everything else too. So, but like, give yourself a little grace too. It's like, you know, yeah. We're human. Part of the welcome to the human race. We aren't perfect, and you know you're doing the best you can. And I love that you're here and asking questions. Like to me, that's a very hopeful thing for you. Okay. The next one is um, thank you for sharing all the free resources with us. So that's yes. So lots of resources. So the next question. Hello, Dr. Robin Tammy. You have said that one thing you can cre- that the one thing you can right. create is willingness. 
I I thought you said you can't create well, the, will. Let's just okay. What the what's the takeaway from my husband who says he is not willing to do what right. it takes here, and that he continued to pray for, um, and that he continues to pray for willingness. The addiction is a real mind f. Seeing how you have recovery is amazing. In the rooms, I have not heard any partners whose sponsors come close to your success in recovery. To be honest, hmm. thank you. So um, it's called think, a long time. So. I think I, I have. I think I'm clear on what's being asked here. I just have more of a yeah. comment than anything else. But why don't you start, Tammy? Well, she did clarify. Um, it, yeah, correction: the one thing you cannot create is willingness. So, so like. Right. I mean, I'm still a work in progress. Trust me. You can you can ask Dr. Rob. You can ask my husband. You can ask anybody. So like, there's plenty of room for improvement. You know. So the you know the other thing is, um, I, you know, and I I say this pretty often to partners. You can't make anybody change, um, but if you're holding healthy boundaries for you, sometimes the attic bumping up against that like all of a sudden like oh I'm a little more willing to do something because I don't like how this feels you know so again this is not on you you haven't done anything wrong but but if you're taking care of yourself and it's different than what they they're used to experiencing that you know that can be that that shift for you going I'm 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 good I need you know I need to value myself I'm the person that will value me you know, and holding those healthy boundaries for you, you know, that can start to make things different for the person you're involved with. So that was, I wasn't willing until, I mean, I had a freaking car accident that almost killed me. And, you know, then all of a sudden I was willing, but the next day I was also <laughs> going, oh, I've learned my lesson. So I mean, denial is massive, you know, with addiction. So what happened to the car? I, my story is unique. I hit a corn picker. I've never heard of anybody else hitting a corn picker. I didn't even know what one was, but I made what is a, it, a non corn picker. I think I dated a corn picker once. What? what? Well, no, what? this is a vehicle that is like massive and oh, like it right. has times. Right. Well, well, when you're really intoxicated and the tines came through the window, I must've ducked it. I don't remember at the last minute. And it made my non-convertible car, a convertible car. And um, so they called me in dead. This is pre-cell phone. This is the short version, but yeah, it was uh, like, I am, I'm lucky I was not decapitated, but seriously, the next day I was already going, Oh, I learned my lesson. I wanted to quit. I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have. I'll never do that again. Think, I right. went to treatment thinking I could still do drugs because they were recreational. <laughs> they which is really part of what is in this question, by the way, which is, you know, um, willingness and what does it take? For somebody to you know really stop and all of that kind of stuff so i wrote a few things down i mean i, I i'm in the writing mood today and one of the things that occurred to me is the word boundaries because i really find it lacking here and because in the second part this person said can you please speak to how a family can quote unquote motivate an addict to go to a treatment center how does this look setting boundaries are to create safety for the person setting them, but how do they approach a boundary if they want the addict to go to treatment as a first step to being in a relationship with them? So basically what that said, by the way, is I know I'm supposed to do it, but how can I not do it and do it, you know, do it a different way? So 
I wrote those down, are two different people. Just from, just so you know, those are two different people. Oh, I thought they were tied together. No, no, the the, ah. the correction was so, so, but they kind of tied together because well, they're both so. about motivation. I'm so so sorry. Yeah. So no, no, no. but um, they, that's what I'm saying. They tie together, but it's not the same person. Just for clarity. Yeah, I I many times like you, Tammy. I've heard I have to pray for the willingness, um, and maybe you could explain exactly what that means. I think that's a very program focused thing if you don't mind yeah I, I, honestly i've used it more in in recovery um like i have to pray for the, like <laughs> praying for the willingness to give up a resentment praying for the willingness to do it because like there were some resentments i didn't want to give up and so i had to pray for the willingness to give up the resentment you know but but i don't remember i mean uh, it's challenging for me prior to recovery to get a grasp of that. So I don't, because yeah. then I can just keep praying for willingness. Well, that's, you know, God yeah, didn't give me the willingness yet. So apparently I right. need to get into recovery, you know? You know, if, if there wasn't a relationship and he was struggling with sex addiction, I guess he can pray for the willingness to stop acting out. I mean, that's really, you're praying. What it really says is I am not willing to stop, but I hope that, you know, I, I can have the grace to stop. Um, I remember with, with, uh, amends, I used to say, I'm not ready to make this amends, but each day I'd say, well, okay, I'm not ready to make it, but I hope I have the willingness yes. to make it, you know? And yes. so, um, you're right. The addiction is a real mind F. I agree with you that, but, um, and I also agree with you about, uh, sorry, let me go back. Um, it, it, there is something to praying for willingness, but the question is, will that motivate somebody? Will they actually take a different action? And at a, you know, maybe there could be one thing he could do today. Maybe there'd be two things he could do. You know, this whole idea that, that, that somehow all of a sudden I'm going to start doing all these things that I haven't been willing to do is probably not, um, not accurate. And by the way, um, I wonder what it's like for you to sit back and see him not willing to do anything. You know, I don't have to be, I don't have to fully understand my problem. I don't have to fully understand everything beneath it. I don't even have to fully understand why I'm walking to, on uh, going to an online setting and listening to a meeting. But if life is unhappy, if you're really hurting, if you can see the problems, start taking some steps. You know, we never, and I think Tammy would agree, we never expect anyone to get it when they first walk in the rooms. A lot of times, in fact, almost every time people come to Seeking Integrity is these men are in trouble and they're going to lose their marriage. They're going to lose their this. They've poisoned their work. Their kids have found out, whatever. But they're not coming for themselves. You know, when you ask them, oh, I really want to be a better person, but I'm really, didn't you want to be a better person two years ago? Well, yes, but last week, my wife, or last week, you know, all of that. So willingness, I think, comes when you have had enough consequences that you say, I don't want to have these consequences anymore. Um, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to feel this way about myself. But um, yeah, but you have to start going to the places and doing the things and then say, I'm willing or not willing. You can be informed, not willing. Um, so anyway, I'm going to lose my mind if I talk about that anymore. Um, did you, did you have anything on the next one with the, oh, yeah, um, I have stuff the on motivate? The one, yeah. But that's what Please. I was really speaking to. Yeah. So did you read that? You did read it. 
So um, uh, how can you speak to a family that can motivate an right. addict to go to a treatment center? How does a slow setting boundaries are to create safety for the person setting them, but how do you approach boundary if they want the addict to go to right. treatment as a first step, if they want to be real, that's for my right. safety. Like you are not safe in this relationship. I, I, you know, until you show me that you are willing to be on a different path, then, you know, I'm going to need to set some safe distance for me, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be no contact, but it can be, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to sleep with you. I'm not willing to, whatever it is that, you know, I mean, whatever it is for you, but, but it's physical safety, financial safety, emotional safety, and spiritual safety. So I think those are the things that what do you need to take care of you? And you, if you lay that all out and it isn't because you're being terrible, I'm going to do that. No, it's like, I need this. I deserve this. So I'm going to take care of me. You do you. And, and if we are able to, it sounds so trite. It isn't, it, I know it's really challenging, but, but you know, you have no control over the other person. You cannot manipulate somebody into treatment. You know, it, at the end of the day, you can set up things that will give them something to bump up against and they can go, Oh, I don't like this. Like Dr. Rob was just saying. So thoughts, Dr. Rob. Yeah. I would um, say to you in terms of the, or any of you, oh, 37 of you, um, can I please speak to how a family can quote unquote motivate an addict to go to a treatment center? Yes. Tell them to call Tammy. <laughs> no one can motivate people more than her having a conversation. You think she's tough here. Get her on the phone and she will remind these guys of their children and their grandchildren and the job. You know, she will make sure that they understand what treatment is going to become. But um, it's but no, but but it's it's life changing. I mean, we hear all the time from our alumni now, except for the one, you know, five and it isn't a hundred percent. We fix everything. But most of these guys, the alumni are going, this was life-changing. I hear regularly from partners and spouses. And again, not to add to your grief, you know, but that it was life-changing for the guys that come to our program that do the work that follow their aftercare plan. Like Dr. Rob said to the letter, they do good. They, you know, it's not a, uh, uh, you know, it's not a perfect life, but man, I, tools. I want to jump in just with a few more things, but thanks for talking about treatment. We have a lot of people there. It's been a, a really interesting couple of weeks, but um, in terms of setting boundaries, I just wanted to say, if I am doing it to make somebody do something else, you know, so I want you to go to treatment. So I'm not going to let you in my room and I'm going to change the locks and I'm going to, cause I want you to go to treatment. And when you're in enough pain, you'll go to treatment. When you create those circumstances, what it leaves the other person is feeling angry and controlled and that they may be, you know, I'm angry. You're doing things to me and I don't like it. And here you go doing more things to me. You know, that's where I end up. If you're doing it for me, um, if you are doing it for you, and you say, I, I really, I'm not comfortable with this. And, you know, you do what you want, but I need to change the locks. I need to, well, then I think the addict feels um, there's nothing else. They can't, there's nothing to punch at. You're not telling them if you do this and if you do that, you just simply take care of you. And you keep saying, you know, I really hopefully you're in treatment. And that's, I would stop pulling back if I felt safer with you, but that will be their punishment. You know, you don't have to do this. You can simply take care of yourself. And as you move backward, even just a little bit, um, we tend to go, oh my God, they move backwards an inch or two. The worst of us who say you're this and you're that, and I act up because you're this and you're that. 
just have you move an inch or two away from us. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, you're so important to me. And how can I lose you? And you go to treatment and sorry. So the last thing is that, that the last sentence really or la- really speaks to me to where you're at, which is, I know I'm supposed to set boundaries for me, but how do I approach a boundary if I'm doing it to w- make the addict do something? And, you know, that's across purposes. Which one is it? And I think you get to decide, are you acting in this way because you want to get someone to do something else or... Um, or is this something that you want to do for you because you can't do both? And the word Al-Anon really comes up for me here, this feeling that if I do this or that, then you will this or that. I think Al-Anon does a really good job of people learning, you know, oh, uh, I can just say what I want and need and I can't influence. And you know what? You're just really creating that boundary. So, yeah, I think there's a little work you need to do to be really clear on what you want. Do you want to punish this person and get them to do something? Or do you want to feel better about yourself? I think we're feeling, I feel like we're saying the same thing over and over again to people tonight. You know, we have themes, which is your life will be a lot better when you look less outward and more inward and in how you can find your own joy. By the way, the um, fifth season of The Crown is starting. So if people are looking for their joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.